Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to La Liga Lowdown. We are back again after Spain's third World Cup match and one which almost saw Spain crash out of the World Cup, but they just about survived. I'm Sam Leverage and I'm joined here by Paco Polit. Paco, I won't ask you to repeat what you said in the group chat because I don't want to tick the box about swear words. <laughs> but what did you make of that performance from Spain? I mean, did you have a heart attack halfway through that second half? Well, I only said that it had been a, you know... Hadn't been the best game from <laughs> from Spain, it's a very but yeah. Way of it. Uh, you know that my feelings are uh very, I don't know, uh very confusing at this point, because uh at the end of the day, this defeat might ultimately benefit Spain in a number of ways. For example, at the end of the day, we've seen um uh, Germany being knocked out of the tournament which is a plus for any other favorite sides who really want to you know win the the trophy and also you can say that arguably the road to the final is uh easier if you came in second in this group so overall i think that things might sort of get better for spain after this you know this tumble but uh you know the 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 feelings after the the final whistle were awful in Spain's case because I think that definitely they did the, the, their best their worst game um, their best impression of a, of a bad side overall they they did very very badly overall um, and I don't know exactly where to pinpoint it you know I think that many things went south today uh, that overall the feeling and the flow and the mood of the game never really suited the way Spain wanted to play and after around the 20th 25th minute in the first half it was all uh you know Japan doing their thing first you know trying to contain Spain to some extent later going for the game in the second half and and getting those two goals in quick succession and later you know defending with 10 men uh, almost inside their own box so I think that we have to give plenty of credit to the Japanese side and we have to be harsh and very critic uh critical from from what Spain delivered today because because it, it wasn't re it really wasn't up to par yeah exactly that we'll hear a bit more about Japan from Sam Robson of the JTalk podcast later on but I mean let's start from well, I guess from the start then Paco 
Luis Enrique made five changes. We saw Cesar Espliqueta, Pau Torres, Alejandro Valde, Nico Williams and Alvaro Morata come in. But, I mean, I don't know about you, but I was quite disappointed by some of the youngsters who came in. I mean, like Nico Williams, Alejandro Valde. I mean, they got their chance. I mean, even Pau Torres, who was a regular through that run of the Euros not that long ago. And they just didn't quite seem to be with it, did they? I mean, they seemed to be lacking that bit of rhythm. They weren't up at the same pace that the rest of the team seemed to be at. Yeah, I think that we should, uh, you know, I, I don't want to really be harsh on, on these players who came in uh, in the game against Japan, but, you know, their level hasn't been the same one as their uh, counterparts in the first game, especially against uh, Costa Rica and later in the first half against Germany. I think that overall, uh, you know, possibly Barca fans are going to say that I'm harsher to him than to the rest because of everything which happened with Jose Luis Gallá and all of the drama surrounding him. But we have seen time after time that Balde uh, is very green, very, very green. I, I do not doubt about the potential from this kid. I think that he's going to be a, a massive player, uh, you know, along the road. But at this point, we have to really see current performance and uh, current uh, status in any single World Cup game. And I think that the tournament is possibly a bit too much for him to bite because once again, the goals were all or generated or uh, ultimately came in, in that left-back uh, position that he was covering. And and I think that if we had Jose Luis Gaya in the, in the, in the roster, this, this wouldn't happen. And obviously, uh, when Jordi Alba came in, it was already too late. The Spain were two one down, and uh, the the mood of the game has shifted to Spain having once again ball possession and trying to score, and Japan defending with everyone almost inside their own box. But the rest of the new uh, comers in this in this game and the the novelties in the lineup weren't, uh, you know, very inspired. I think everyone was disappointed about Nico Williams's game. I think that uh, you know Pau Torres just doesn't bring with him the same level of uh, proficiency that we've seen in past games um, from the the centre-backs. Uh, Apiliqueta was, I don't know, I think we can, we can say he was okay. He definitely wasn't to the same level as he was against Costa Rica. But overall, the, the, the subs didn't work. Uh, both at the beginning of the game and at the second half. You know, Ferran Torres came in. He didn't bring anything new to the table. Asensio, more of the same. Ansu Fati, everyone has plenty of faith with him, but I don't see him to the same level as he used to be back in the day with Barca when he was 100% fit. So overall, it was a very bad night for Spain. And and that that's why I, I do not want to, you know, I don't want to be too harsh on the players because anyone can have a, a, a bad day and 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 you know do things wrongly, but um, it was too close, too close for my taste, and uh, it's a kind of you know big warning for what is coming further along the road in the World Cup. If Spain really really want to get far in the tournament, and we definitely aren't going to be able to see a game as poor as this one, because another one will definitely send you home. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Alvaro Morata obviously gave Spain the lead quite early on. Only the second player in Spain's history to score in all three group stage matches at a World Cup. But I mean, the two goals from Japan were kind of criminal almost mm. from Spain. I mean, they just looked so caught out by the high press from Japan. I mean, 
you look at that defence and you wonder, I mean, Unai Simon, who obviously likes to play with his feet and has been very vocal in press conferences saying, you know, he's not going to change his style and Luis Enrique encourages him to do that. But, I mean, you look at that back four, Alejandro Valde, I mean, this is what his second or third Spain appearance. Cesar Aspilicueta and Dani Carvajal, who seem to change every five minutes. I don't think Dani Carvajal has played in back-to-back games for Spain for something like two or three years. I think it was 2018, actually, was the last time that he did that. And then you had Rodri and Pau Torres in the central defensive pairing, who I think possibly haven't played ever together in that back line before. So maybe it's not a surprise to see them caught out in possession and, and struggling with that high press. But I mean, what do you think Luis Enrique's message to his players will be after that game? I mean, they now go into the knockout rounds in the second half of this podcast. We'll talk a little bit more about that. But I mean, what will Luis Enrique have taken from this game that he'll be looking to work on before the next game? Um, <clears throat> I think that uh, there are many changes to be made, um, at, at, especially at the way um, Spain are trying to, you know, s- dominate the opposition always the same way. And I think that you can definitely have your play style and you can definitely have your, you know, your line of work whenever you are playing against uh you know, whatever team is in front of you, but you need to have a, a B plan or or even a C plan uh, whenever things go go south, as as we saw against Japan, and that's that is why I'm sorely missing from Spain at this point, and what I have seen plenty of times with other national squads. We've seen whenever Brazil are unable to find you, you know, the the spaces needed to to play the way they like but they get the job done in, in another way. You know, they are able to just squeeze past the opposition in some way. We've seen other sides being able to take advantage of set pieces, take advantage of, uh, you know, shifting in some sense their tactics, playing with two forwards instead of, you know, keeping uh, things the way they, they often like. And, and in this sense, Luis Enrique hasn't really changed that much. He always plays with the same way, he always tried to play with four at the back, uh, four three three as um as the the tactic to go, and and he really doesn't uh, mix things up when th- they really need to. And uh, there's actually one one sentence from the from the manager in the in the post conference after the game, the the post game conference. He said that he didn't actually know that Spain had been knocked out of the competition for I believe it was over ten minutes, 10, 12 minutes, and that he had realized that uh, he would he would suffer a, a heart attack. Uh, well, Luis Enrique, we were suffering that at home, you know, and um, things needed to be better and especially quicker. I think that Spain lacked the, the speed in the second half in order to move the ball, to generate the spaces, and that's why it was so easy, in a sense, for, for Japan to defend as proficiently as they did because Spain were sluggish. And that was the main issue. Possibly this this one has been the worst game I've seen from uh, Barca's trio in the midfield. You know, Pedri, Gabi and, and Busquets, they were slow. But not only on the second half. I believe uh, they were slow from the 20-25th minute when Spain were 1-0 up and, and things were, you know, seemed to be already done and dusted. And they they weren't up to par. I've seen them play beautifully, quickly, uh, with plenty of intensity, with plenty of drive forward always. 
And we didn't see that actually in, in this game. So I think that Luis Enrique should try to mix things up a bit in the in the midfield. I see some of the players a bit tired and especially try to change something, especially um, in, in the front lines because uh, only having Morata as a true number nine might be a mistake, which predates to two, three weeks ago when we learned the, the final call-up sheet. But I think that it might become even worse for Spain uh, whenever they face more, you know, whenever they face mightier opponents along the way. Yeah, I was quite surprised to see Marcos Llorente, Carlos Celeste on the bench when Llorente not played any minutes yet. Because Jeremy Pino and Pablo Sarabia, two of the forward options who Luis Enrique hasn't called upon yet either. So we'll see what team selection Luis Enrique goes with and we'll discuss that a bit more in the second half. But first, let's hear from Sam Robson as we discussed the Japanese point of view on this game. But first, let's just hear some commentary from the action. And I'm now joined here by Sam Robson of the J Talk podcast. Thanks for joining us, Sam. I'm guessing you're a happy Japan fan right now. Yeah, absolutely. Delighted Japan fan. I mean, after the first half, it wasn't looking good. Spain looked fantastic and Japan really didn't get going. But yeah, just a bit like the Germany game, an incredible turnaround. Uh, for Japan and yeah, who uh, would ever have thought they'd have topped the group with Japan and Germany and that was after losing to C- Costa Rica as well. Yeah, I mean, tell us a little bit about that reaction in Japan because, I mean, I was watching it after that first half. I thought Spain would probably be able to see it through and top the group quite comfortably. But, I mean, three minutes changed the game entirely, didn't it? Yeah, there were some positive changes um, at half-time. Um, Karol Mitoma came on as the left wing back and he was a lot higher up the pitch on that side than Nagatomo was and Ito was pushed forward as well on that right side and Doan came in. It was just a little bit more of an an impetus, a bit of a change in mentality because they just sat off Spain for far too much in that first half, but they were so positive at the start of the second half. And yeah, it was just, they kind of took Spain by storm really, didn't they? And uh, yeah, scored some, yeah, great goal from Doan, maybe not the greatest pieces of goalkeeping, but yeah, it was just that positive reaction really got the, uh, the two goals and yeah, they thoroughly deserved it. I thought after that, really defended well, really high up the pitch. They were pressing Spain a little bit more, a much more of a contest and yeah, an incredible performance. And I mean, this game against Spain, just like the game against Germany for Japan, half-time changes, it kind of changed the game and, and turned it on its head. And both of, the, of those times, it's been a, a player that Spanish football fans know well, Take Kubo, who's come off. I mean, what do you have to say about, about Take Kubo? I mean, is it, is it his fault? Is it just a coincidence? Or, I mean, can he keep his team in the, his place in the team? Uh, I'm not sure, to be honest. I don't think he's necessarily set up for the sit-back and counter-attack. He's not necessarily as good as other players in the squad at really carrying the ball forward, and especially when the Japan don't operate with a number nine that you can really bounce the balls off. So, yeah, he's not. He's kind of wasted in this sort of game, and he was dropped strangely for the Costa Rica one, which is probably the sort of game that was set up more for Kubo. So, yeah, I'm not certain he'd necessarily keep his place. Obviously, he's got uh, good quality to him. But yeah, just maybe the way that Japan has set up is not quite um, the way that Kubo would necessarily want to be playing. 
And I mean, now for Japan, I think the reaction must be pretty. I mean, I guess this is morning as this game is finishing up. So I mean, Japanese people must be going to work quite happy on on Friday morning. Yeah, absolutely worth the um, four a.m. wake up call. I think it was for Japan. It's not going to be much easier in the uh, uh, the last sixteen. I think that's a two a.m. start at uh, uh, Japanese time, or maybe one a.m. something like that. But but yeah, they'll be absolutely buzzing. The uh, they'll all have got up. I think there are some scenes. I think uh, Shinjuku and whatnot. There, yeah, people on the street celebrating. So yeah, it's going to be a, a fantastic day. And I don't think much work is necessarily going to be get, uh, be getting done in Japan. Fantastic. No, just what you want to see, isn't it? Unless you're a Spain fan, I guess, on this occasion. So that means that Japan will now face Croatia. I mean, just before we started recording, we were joking about it, saying if, you, if you've beaten Spain and Germany in the group, you probably fancy your chances against Croatia as well. Yeah, I think so. I mean, Croatia, obviously a very good team. The midfield still absolutely magnificent with Modric, Kovacic. Uh, yeah, in there and um, just... But you think you've beaten Germany, you've beaten Spain. Croatia have not necessarily looked great throughout the entire tournament. I think they were good against um, Canada, but struggled against Morocco in the opener. And then against Belgium earlier, they were uh, they had a few chances towards the start of the game, but really Belgium were the team in the ascendancy. So they have to go into that with no fear. They will be um, underdogs again. But I think this Japan team uh, kind of revels in that underdog um, uh, situation. They will be able to sit back a little deeper and counter-attack. And you probably get decent joy against Croatia um, counter-attacking as well. They're not necessarily the, the oldest side. They might struggle with the pace. So, yeah, they've got to feel confident. Uh, it's not going to be easy, but and especially the idea of a potential quarterfinal with Brazil, which is potentially like the biggest game Japan could ever have. I think, yeah, there's a lot motivating them there. And, yeah, fingers crossed for this round of 16. Yeah, well, some some fascinating and memorable games and, and moments for Japan in this group stage and it seems like this is just the start for this team I mean really impressive stuff and Sam I have to ask you kind of from an outside point of view what did you make of this Spain team I mean you said you were quite impressed by them first half but what did you think kind of as Japan were really pushing them onto their back foot in the, the early stages of the second half? I was quite surprised by how much they caved in at the start of that second half yes Japan put them under a lot of pressure but you've got to be used to teams uh, coming under pressure. It was like they were a bit surprised that anyone would really step up to them because against Costa Rica, they didn't have much of a challenge, really. They played their football. They were fantastic. Against Germany, they controlled that game pretty much as well. And first half, they were in so much control. It really just surprised them, I thought, second half. And then they took Morata off, which I thought was a strange move against Japan. And they then played in front of Japan for a long while in that second half and didn't really look to create too much. It was fairly comfortable, and I'm, I'm quite amazed I'm, I'm saying that. So, yeah, going into this game, and even at halftime, I'm thinking, okay, maybe Spain, one of the teams to beat, maybe they are the best team I've seen so far, but there are a lot of questions that have come up in that second half, and maybe that's a good thing for Spain to yeah, have, have been really tested and not think they're going to cruise their way into the late stages of this tournament. So it might have been an interesting, a good half for Spain, but yeah, I think it was a lot to do with Japan. I thought they really put them under pressure and showed that there are weaknesses in this Spain team. Yeah, and I mean, 17.7% possession for Japan is the lowest ever for a team winning a World Cup match. So quite the achievement for them. Thank you very much for joining us, Sam. And and if you've enjoyed listening to Sam and, and hearing about Japan, if you're impressed by them after that, then they can tune in at J Talk Podcast. That's right, isn't it? Yeah, that's the one we've got. We'll do recordings after every game. So there should be one going live in the next few hours um, yeah, to wrap up this game from a Japan point of view. Fantastic. So we'll be 
back shortly with part two of the podcast. We'll be back with Paco talking about what we can expect from Spain through the rest of this World Cup and hopefully avoiding any more slip-ups like this one against Japan. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Welcome back to part two of our podcast as we take a look at Japan's shock 2-1 win over Spain. Now I'm back with Baco and we're going to talk a little bit about the rest of this World Cup for Spain. I think it's something you touched on actually, Paco, that this result, while not great, might actually work out better for Spain. Starting with the next round, they will face Morocco on Tuesday in the afternoon. It's a four o'clock game, Spanish time, three o'clock in the UK. I mean... The alternative was that Spain could have faced Croatia and would have ended up on the other side of the draw. I mean, Croatia, just off the bat, seems like a tougher opponent potentially than Morocco, but then it'd also be on the same side of the draw as Argentina, Brazil. I mean, do you think this could be a blessing in disguise for Spain? Possibly so. As I said earlier, I think that uh, it might work out at the end for for Spain Um, because I think that the opposition uh, is a tad bit weaker if there's anything resembling that in a World Cup, uh, if you compare to the other teams which Spain could uh, face on the other side of the, of the, you know, of the... Um, of the draw, the bracket. Of the yeah. draw, yeah. Uh, and, and definitely I believe that Morocco is a very good side. I think that potentially Portugal might be a mighty opponent. And ultimately you are talking about France, you know, it would be... Uh, a worthy trail if Spain really wants to get to the 
to the final. But regardless of that, I think that um, Spain's main enemy at this point uh, are Spain themselves. And uh, they really need to get their stuff together once again, try to get the kind of, you know, drive and desire to to an ambition that they showed in the first game. And, you know, there's actually some criticism at this point um, from some Spanish fans talking about the, you know, the full belly uh, syndrome in after the first game, believing that, you know, scoring seven against Costa Rica, everything's going to be easy peasy and it's going to be a cakewalk and definitely not. You know, this is a World Cup and any single mistake can send you home in a, you know, in a flash. So, so yeah, I think that the, the road to the final is easier after the defeat, but at the same time, I wouldn't really, uh, in retrospect, I would have, I wouldn't um, have changed this easier road, in some sense, to the large number of doubts that are going to be generated after this defeat. I prefer definitely Spain, you know, moving on with seven points, with um, plenty of confidence, having beaten uh, two good teams, as we've seen that uh, Japan and Costa Rica are drawing against Germany in a, in a mighty clash of titans. I don't know. I prefer definitely that, even if you had to face... Later, if you had to face uh, Brazil or Argentina or whoever, then the sheer number of doubts and, and questioning and criticism that we are going to have to endure in the following days after such a disappointing performance. Yeah, and especially coming up against Morocco. I mean, Morocco might sound like a weaker team, but when you look at their side, I mean, they've got some excellent players. I mean, Yassine Bono and Yusuf Enaziri from Sevilla, two players that La Liga fans will know well, like Rafa Kimi previously at PS, Real Madrid, now at PSG. I mean, these are some big players. Hakim Zayek is another one at Chelsea. I mean, some talented players in there. I think they're number 22 in the world. And kind of building on what you just said, Paco, I mean, Morocco haven't suffered a defeat yet. And in a tough group, I'll give against Croatia and Belgium. I mean, they're really going to be confident going into this game. They're going to fancy their chances. I mean, I guess it's kind of almost a rivalry as well with the, the geography of that. Plenty of Moroccans in Spain will be watching that game and, and cheering their team on. And then even beyond that, I mean, we look at potential quarterfinal opponents and I mean, that could be Portugal as one of them. And Spain-Portugal is a World Cup clash we've seen plenty of times before. I'm sure the Cristiano Ronaldo story would be big. And even then, I mean, England or France in a potential semi-final. I mean, lots of European clashes in there, but I don't think that's any easier either. So, I mean, Spain do have a tough schedule ahead of them and I think how they kind of lift that morale and that's something that Luis Enrique has been very good at I mean we've all seen his twitches and his streaming I think that's going to be very important in the next few days because they do have a bit of a break now from Thursday until Tuesday so kind of lifting that that confidence in the camp is going to be crucial because Morocco don't need to have that kind of boost that Luis Enrique will need to give his players now so I think it will be intriguing and Paco I mean how far do you think this team will go? Now we've seen three matches of this Spain team. I think we've seen the good, the bad, the ugly and everything in between. Where would you say Spain will end this World Cup? I mean, could they go all the way go all the way and be champions or where do you think they will get to? I, I still believe that Spain, even after the way they stumbled against Japan, they are potentially one of the top four teams you know I, I I see Spain being able of moving on to the 
uh, to the semifinals. Even though the the road is is pretty bumpy and it's going to be very tough, I think that uh, you know that that we have the quality, that we have the the potential in our players, and that if you have a good night, you are able to beat absolutely everyone, even the biggest, you know, the the heavyweights, Brazil, uh, France, uh, to some England might believe, you know, all of them can actually be beatable by, by Spain if they have a good game. But the issue here is that in a World Cup, you need to be, rather than reliable, you need to be versatile. And the Spain, which won back in the day, the World Cup in 2010, was able to really cling to games when they went south, uh, you know, fight tooth and nail till the end, in games which were very, very narrow. And actually, you might remember that most of the games were won by just one goal, uh, which was more than enough because Spain really defended very well because they had the ball. They actually had ball position. But here we're talking about a younger squad. We're talking about a squad who really takes a much larger number of risks than the team which won the World Cup in 2010. You might remember Casillas was the keeper. And whenever the pressure was high, he had no problem in, you know, shooting a long ball and try to decompress the 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 pressure to the defense. Uh, over here, we've seen plenty of times Unai Simon risking absolutely everything with uh, plays which, uh, you know, deliver heart attacks uh, left left and uh, left and right to every single Spanish aficionado. So, overall, I think that Spain are still, in my view, uh, World Cup contenders. Even though if we were checking out the the odds in any single betting house, uh, they surely have lost a couple of uh, you know places in the in the rankings because they don't seem as reliable as, for example, after the first game or after the great face first half that they delivered against Germany. Yeah, so you heard it here first. Paco says Spain will be in the semi final. I think. It's hard to predict with this Spain team, isn't it? I mean, you don't quite know which team is going to come out. The one that lost 2-1 to Japan or the one that beat Costa Rica 7-0. And that was kind of the great irony watching the games on, on Thursday night that it could be Costa Rica who go out through instead of Spain after that initial first game. I mean, I wonder what the odds would have been on that. But, I mean, it's been a real roller coaster ride for Spain. I guess that's what plenty of Spanish football fans would have been expecting. And, and who knows how high they'll get or how low they'll go before the players are back on the plane to Madrid. So stay tuned to us for the rest of the action through this World Cup. We will be back with previews and roundups ahead of every game that Spain do have, however many, however many there are. Paco, thank you very much for joining us. I hope you can go and rest now and get your heart rate. I, I was pretty, pretty balanced today. I expected me to curse quite a lot more. But, you know, I've been able to cool down a bit after the game because I was really, really angry with the final whistle because of the way, you know, the, the second half was for several moments quite unacceptable. And I think that criticism doesn't really need to be harsh in order to be fair. And today, Spain were pretty bad. And, and that's the bottom line. And the only way in order to improve over here and try to, you know, remain a, champ a championship contender and remain a World Cup contender is trying to look into ourselves and believe and and uh, be able to extract all of the positive uh, conclusions after a very, very negative game. 
Well, Paco, I just thought of one question that I have forgotten to ask you. So one word answer. And by the way, What's... we didn't we didn't speak about Japan's goal, which That's in my view... That's literally what I was about to ask yes, you, Paco. Was which... it in or was it out? It was out. It was out. You know, every single shot of the play I've seen, the ball is out of the of the of the pitch. So I don't really know what were the bar people looking. They, you know, might be uh, checking out, uh, you know, you know, the new Indiana Jones trial trailer or whatever. But th they weren't definitely looking at that play because if they have seen that, the ball was out and. The Japanese second goal shouldn't have been allowed. But overall, I don't think that was the reason for Spain losing. They lost the seven links so against the, uh, Japan. But, you know, we have to say that the, the ball was out. And that's the bottom line. When we're recording this on Thursday night. I can't wait to wake up on Friday morning and find that Adidas have revealed some secret technology that nobody knew existed that shows that it was in. But you can always hit us up on the Twitter and, and get into Paco's mentions. I'm sure he'll love that if he's somehow proved wrong. Yeah, I, I I love you know that kind of Twitter banter. So if any Japanese listener is disagreeing with me, I have no problem in trying to argue why that ball was definitely out of the pitch. And Paco has even less of a swear filter on Twitter, so <laughs> just prepare yourself. But stay tuned. We will be back later on this week with some previewing of that game against Morocco in the next round. And you can also stay tuned llonline.substack.com for all the latest analysis of everything Spain as we build up to that game and look back on the group stage as well. So thanks for listening. Thanks, Paco, for joining us. You're welcome. And thanks to you for tuning in. Bye-bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 